0: Um, it's so good. It's so good um, coming here and seeing ex um, Exfolkertani people over here, over here, over here. Oh, you left before my time, though. Hey, eh? hey, Joel. Yeah, Rob. I keep getting Rob and Joel mixed up. So uh, it's good to it's good it's good to be here. It's good to catch up with Simon as to what Simon's doing. Simon, Simon, kind of. I followed Simon from knee high to a grasshopper. Hey, you about this this young? Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually I'm actually glad he left Fokatani because he was getting far too intelligent for me. So um, we need, he needed to go somewhere where his intelligence would be accepted because I was just being intimidated all the time. No, no, I love Simon. He's he, he he's a great guy and from a great family. Um, so yeah, my name um is Peter. Um, I've um. I've, I was, um, I've been in pastoral ministry for probably too long. Um, over 30 years, I was at Glen Eden Baptist Church. Then I went down to Wellington uh, to Whitby. It um, was called Whitby Lakeside Baptist Church. It's now called North Porirua Baptist Church. And then um, I was at Whokitani, um Baptist Church. So I arrived in Whakatane in 2005. I finished there as um, pastor. I'll be close to three years ago now, so I was there for 15, 16, or 17 years. While we were there, um, and why I'm still there, is we moved to the ocean. We lived by a Hopi Beach, um, of which it was really interesting when we did that move, because um, um, we had um, some, of the, some of the lovely oldies in our church would come up and say, oh, you're living at a Hopi Beach, and I'd go, yeah, And they said. But what about the commute? And I said, What do you mean? What about the commute? So from our place to the church, it was like max would be ten or a twelve minute drive. And I said, What about the commute? But but it was really interesting to hear their side of the story because because um, because particularly people like Aubrey Dalton and and uh, Simon will know know Aubrey. Um, he grew up in Fokatani and his vacation holidays was at a Hopi beach. You know, it was because uh, because it was it was in those days a little bit longer to get there than, than at the times. But we've we've lived at the beach now for for many years. I think the beach has helped my sanity, has helped my exercise regime, and all that sort of stuff. And there's something. I find powerful about it. I find it powerful about the, the, the rhythm of the sea. Um, and I still... I still um, it's interesting, in my role here in tripling around, when I come to Hamilton, and I might have an hour or, or two hours to spare between meetings, you'll inevitably find me walking around the lake. Because i just got to find water somewhere. There's something about water, water somewhere for me. But there's the tide. Even though there's not a tide at the lake, but um, there's tides, the waves, the currents. There's always something different. Yet, in some ways, it's still the same. But there is a danger of living right beside it all the time. Is that you can miss it. You don't see it. You you miss it. Everything that makes the sea wonderful can be missed. You can live your life without seeing it. Those of you who know Fokatani and Hopi, um, as you come over the hill from Fokatani, there's this wonderful view just halfway down where it looks right across the ocean, right through to Fakati, and right through to um, um, Matahora, which is called, commonly called Whale Island. And there's this wonderful view. And every now and then as I come over the, come over the hill, I've got to say, Oh, yeah, there's a view. Oh, yeah, it's nice. Oh, yeah, I like that view. I must go walk, walk along the beach. Because over time, you can miss it. The writer and pastor Max Lucado writes this in one of his books. Just because one has witnessed a thousand rainbows doesn't mean that they see the grandeur of one. One can live near a garden and fail to focus on the splendor of the flower. A couple can spend a lifetime together, never pause to look into each other's soul. And this is true, isn't it? Those of you who are gardeners, um, if, if I came to your place and you've got a fantastic garden, I'd look at that garden and, and, and admire that garden. You may look at it and all you see are the weeds. Hey, you've got to get rid of them, you know. And sometimes we can lose the splendor and the grandeur of these things. And uh, as I said before, this is what happens with me when I'm at the sea. This is what can happen when you live near a significant natural beauty. I'm just trying to think what the significant natural beauty is in Hamilton. I guess there is some. What, what are the significant natural beauties in Hamilton? Where? Hillcrest Baptist Church. <laughs> Hillcrest Baptist Church. Absolutely. Along the, along the Along the river is lovely, that walkway along the river, A, eh? When my brother lived in... Um, Near Sandwich Road, we used to go. I used to go and walk along that that river. Get freaking out when you get near near the golf course, Mount Perongia perhaps a little bit further out. Um, those, those sorts of things. But this is something that can happen at Christmas, and um, and Christmas comes so frequently that we can even see the season more as a chore than a joy, can't we? Ah, it's busy. It's got time again. It's Christmas time again, and and in the hustle and bustle of it, we can miss the grandeur of it. We can miss the glory of it, the power of it, the uniqueness of it, and the significance of it. And revel, allow ourselves to revel in the deep meaning of this wonderful event. So I want you, I want to invite you this morning to revisit. The glory of Christmas. To revisit the joy of it, research it again, investigate what went on, meet the characters in the drama ag- again over this these next well, it's next week really, isn't it? It's only two weeks away, isn't it? What is not it is it? Next week? Is it next week? No, week after, two weeks away. <laughs> research it again, investigate, meet the character. Sorry, that was planned. So this event was planned. Thousands of years before the event actually happened. And in so doing, see the sense of grandeur of this wonderful time. And immense ourselves, not in the busyness of it, because that will always be there, but in the significance of it. The significance of this season. I guess, I guess my aim this morning and the brief time that I have is in some way to help you Relax into Christmas, but go into Christmas with this sense of glory and grandeur, with a fresh, vibrant view of who God is and what God has done for us, which started that first Christmas day 2,000 years ago. And let's have a look at it through the eyes of a doctor. Let's look at it through Dr. Luke, through the gospel in Dr. Luke. And we're not going to go through the whole gospel. I'm going to pull out a few verses but the right but luke luke let me put a bit of thing bit of the scene here luke was an outsider luke was the only writer of the gospel who was a gentile and he decides to bring all the stories together that he's heard about jesus and he decides to investigate the truth of them and then write them down in what he believed was an orderly account And in doing so, he reveals something about the very heart of God that perhaps the other Gospels don't do quite as well. They do other things really well, but maybe the way Luke does it, he does it a little bit better. And that is this, that God loves the outsider. God loves the one who's not yet part. God loves the one who's... Who's not part of the club. And he reveals to a world. That at that time was in tension About whether the message was just for the Jews. Or was it for everyone. He reveals. That it was for everyone. Those inside. And those outside. And Luke reveals to us. God's love for those. Who are outside the religious establishment. At the time. So let me. Let me read to you the introducing of the first of these two outsiders, Zechariah and Elizabeth. I'll read it from here because I've got a a few verses going on. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were getting on in years. Once when he was serving as a priest before God, and in his section was, and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And then later on in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, "How will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years." The angel replied, "I am Gabriel; I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news." God is concerned with the outsider. A wonder of Christmas is that in the plans that God has for this world, he often decides to use the most ordinary of people, the ones less likely and the ones who are unexpected. Christmas is a reminder that God is all for the underdog. He is all for the one that is left out. He is all for the one that is on the fridge. Fringe. Christmas reminds us again that God loves those who are on the margins. And in the start of this plan, the start of this ultimate plan, the plan that would eventually lead to Easter, he starts with a couple that are close to being, if not, left out. A woman. But not only... Is this this okay, Mark? But not only... A woman, but as the scripture says, a woman that was barren, married to an elderly man, Elizabeth and Zechariah. To be barren was to be seen that you had moved from the blessings of God. To be barren meant that there was a view that kind of God had forgotten about you. To be barren in those days meant you perhaps did not have the thumbprint of God on you that you thought you may have. You know, it was believed that those who served God faithfully would be blessed by God, giving them children, giving them an inheritance. Elizabeth Would have felt a little bit like an outcast. Maybe her marriage to a priest helped her, but questions would have been asked. She would have felt excluded and not quite in the crowd. She would have not looked on by others as being someone who was blessed. She would have been close to an outsider, definitely on the margins. But yet, God uses her. There were other priests with other wives. But out of a random, so-called random act of a ballot, it was Zachariah who got in. Was God there? Another priest could have been center of this activity. Another priest with a brood of babies and kids who's married to a wife who wasn't barren, could have picked out. Younger than Elizabeth and Zachariah. And then look at the husband. Maybe he had even given up hope with his wife. As Max Licardo said, maybe... Maybe Zechariah had forgotten to stop and see the very soul of that who he was married with and revel and rejoice in that. He was indifferent. I love that thing that sometimes we can spend our whole life with someone and forget about the grandeur of that person, forget about the beauty of that, the soul of that person. And I'm often reminded about this with with my own wife, who probably, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's a bloke thing. It's probably more of a Peter Foster thing that you don't intend to, but, and you don't neglect. But often it becomes this rote way of living lives. And I love watching her at Christmas, and I can see her soul at Christmas. Because her, her, her eyes light up as she's decorating a tree, or yesterday as she has our five-year-old grandson there painting these funny little decorations and just enjoying the presence of being there. And every now and then, I'll I'll get a glimmer of her with her grandchildren and with her kids, and I just delight in that and see the beauty of her. See the beauty of her soul and... Maybe Zechariah had forgot to see that in Elizabeth and was going through the, the routines. And maybe he had even come to the point where he had felt, how could God ever use her? How could God ever use us? Our faithfulness has not been rewarded. Our faithfulness has not been rewarded. I will do my duty and that is that. And maybe when he was rostered on the temple duty, he did it with a view that this is what I have to do, and so I'll just go do it. And in a rote way, he was going through the motions, and then suddenly God visits him. An ordinary day to an ordinary person with a message to, to, to him who is on the fringe and to his wife. Hey, Gabriel. You've come on the wrong day. You've got it wrong. There are others better equipped for this. We're old. Come on, get real. But God replies through Gabriel, this is good news. This is good news for you. This is good news for eternity. This is good news. And I will prove my point to you. Two amazing things about the story. One is, it's the first time that God has spoken in 400 years. It's the first time He's spoken in 400 years. There was complete silence between the last prophet and now. And now God speaks. And He does it to the old priest. He does it to the old priest with the barren wife. And starts to unravel a plan that will turn the tide of history. I wonder what had made Zechariah more amazed. That God had spoken to him? Or that he was going to be a dad? I don't know. Whatever it was on both accounts, he doubted. I'm not sure it was God. I don't think he's going to give me a son. And of course the baby was to be called John. And that passage we had before I preached was the aftermath of his giving grandeur and glory to God for what had happened to him. And, of course, John the Baptist came, and John the Baptist was considered the outsider as well. Coming back in, here is God revealing his plan, and in doing so, he raises... The outsider, he uses a barren woman. What a wonder of Christmas. God uses those people who often le- are less likely. I think of people in my life. I think of myself. I don't want to put myself on any pedestal whatsoever. But a little fella from Pataru who grew up in Dunedin, who moved to Tolkoroa probably in a time where most of the world were thought, what good could come out of Tokaroa? What good could come out of Potararu? And then I reflect on, on my life and I'm just so grateful for how God has used me. I look at other people. Each one of you will have a story. We don't need to turn to the heroes of faith to hear these stories. We just need to turn to our own stories of God using us in amazing ways from playing the guitar and leading us in music, from doing a PhD, from ministering overseas, from doing the best that we can in the places that God has put us for work. When I read the stories of the famous missionaries, the humanitarians, amazing Christian people, you know they're just normal, everyday people who God chooses to use. It's great being an ordinary, everyday person. You know why? Because God uses ordinary, everyday people. We should, great, I've got an amen. We should celebrate that. (coughs) Here is a thought to start off with this Christmas. Those of you who think you are not there yet, those of you who think that you're not good at anything Those of you who think you're too old, and and believe me, we've got a whole host of people in the Baptist who think they're now too old. Our congregation's getting greyer. It's a delight coming here because there's a cross section. But I know that you can sit there and at times feel as though you've been written off. Don't ever feel that. Or too young. Those of you who do not see you as outgoing enough or you've got too much history, God still speaks. God can use you, and he will use you. This is one of the hopes of Christmas, that no one is written off. No one. There is no such, the term outsider is a a human concept. It's not a God concept. No one is outside. You're all embraced in God's love. You know, the church might write you off. Society might write you off. Your boss may not think much of you. Your family may have rejected you, but God hasn't. And one of the primary points of Christmas is Jesus is coming because of you. That person in your classroom who is in pain and no one likes, the nerd, the jock, You know the one, the one in your street, the one who has ripped you off, the one who is homeless, who smells, the left out one, the socially undesirable one. They're all in in God's economy. God loves them and cares for them. We do not like to know, don't we, if we're in or not, that we're in the circle or not. And often we quite like to keep those who aren't in the circle out of the circle because that will change our circle. We don't like exclusiveness. God cares for those people. He works in the ordinary. The Zechariah doing his job and God intervenes. Are you ready for God to come and meet you in the ordinary? Are you ready for him to see you in a way that you will be amazed again? Are you ready for God to start to rise up and break through and start to continue, start to or continue the work that He's already started? Be amazed this Christmas. Be amazed. It came to bring everybody in, and to do so, God will use whoever. In the Hebrew language, names mean a lot. Names that you give people have far deeper meaning than perhaps our our culture has. Zechariah means, the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. Elizabeth means, my God is an absolutely faithful one. And as we have mentioned, John the Baptist means, gift john means gift of god what names to be found in a family the names convey the truth about god and it is this truth that helps us understand god's preparation for christ's birth it is the truth that will soon come which which we call easter god remembers you he's absolutely faithful and he offers you this gift again this christmas can you see his wonder can you look past the familiar route, familiar sides of it and look at his wonder? God has something new for you. Christmas is something new for us again. And this week, may you know that gift again in all that you do and all that you say. Amen. Hey, let's stand and let me pray with you. Maybe we'll finish off on that instead of a song. Would that be all right? And- I'd love to close with a benediction. I love doing benedictions, so I'll close. Father, we want to thank you for this Christmas. Father, we've remembered it with Advent, the time of peace. And Lord, I pray that peace would come upon each one of us this Christmas as a new and a renewed gift, that we would know the peace that comes from knowing who we are in your economy, that we would come that we would know the peace of who we, that, that we have, that we you have us in your hand, loving and caring and looking after us. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you love those who we don't even know or that we even walk past in the street, that you love them. Forgive us, Lord, that we may not, be able to, for whatever reason, or we struggle to articulate that love and that care to them. We thank you that you love them and care for them. Lord, I pray that you'd open our eyes again to what Christmas really means to this world. That you have come to bring people in. You have come to show um, your love for each one of us. And I pray that we would know that again today in a fresh and a renewed way. Lord, we're a bunch of ordinary people, and we thank you that you love and you care for us. And may each person here be reminded of that over the next few weeks. And so, Lord, as we go from here today, as we finish the service, I want to say thank you for all that has given of their time. We thank you for the musicians. We thank you for the scripture reading we thank you for the the welcome we thank you for the service we thank you for a cup of tea and coffee afterwards we thank you for the sound people lord i want to pray a blessing over each person here as they go from here today may they know the deep deep love of the father and lord may each person here know the grace and the mercy that comes through us through Jesus Christ, and may this season remind us again of his grace and mercy that's to us. And may we live a life that looks towards that grace and mercy. Lord, not a life of black and white law, but a life of grace and forgiveness and giving and generosity and humility. And Lord, may we be led by the Holy Spirit in all that we do. Father, I pray that each person here Um, would be able to hear this week in whatever they do, the whisper of the Spirit, maybe even the shout of the Spirit. And may you give them the strength, the boldness, and the generosity to act on that whisper. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, Amen.